welcome to another episode of Talking Sense. I am so honored to be here with Dan Swift, the CEO of Empire Selling, but I like to call him a digital GTM ninja expert. What do you think about that, Dan? You know, I, I like it. I'll take it. Um, I'm not sure about the ninja bit, but yeah, I'll go with everything else. I like it. That's right. All right. Like All right. But you are going to break it down for us um, and give us a ton of best practices about digital marketing and selling. I know that to be true because I've learned a ton from you myself, and I'm excited to share that wisdom on our Talking Sense community. So let's get into it. Amazing. Looking forward to it. So first off, social selling and marketing. How important is it today? <laughs> <laughs> Not uh -huh. No one needs to do it, right? No, don't, don't even worry about it. It's fine. Um, so when companies and sales leaders talk about social, oftentimes they they'd say, well, it's probably just optimizing your profile or it's getting your salespeople to share content. And that's what they think it is, but it's so much more than that. So it's it's teaching the sellers prescriptively what to do at every single stage of a sales process that maps directly to the buyer's journey to achieve an end result, right? So a lot of companies think that it's all about building pipeline, absolutely. But there's also things that you can do to take a deal through the sales cycle to close and then into the customer journey to make sure you maximize deal sizes and you, you shorten sales cycles. So there's all different levers and things to pull, but it's so prescriptive. Give me an example that maybe someone wouldn't have thought of. There's, there's so much noise in the market, and rightly so, about the consensus purchase, the buying committee, data points from six to 10 people, those kind of things. And forget social and digital for a sec. Salespeople just, unfortunately, we get stuck with one, maybe two people, and we don't ever find our way to those other six to 10 people. Well, with social, there's so much opportunity to essentially identify those people, those six to 10 people, map your network to it, map your company's network to those six to 10 people, learn about what these people care about as human beings based on what they're publishing themselves or what's being published about them, and then engaging in an incredibly thoughtful way. So it does involve slowing down a little bit, but to speed up. And if you take that approach, you might get walked in the door to three of those 10 people through your network. You might send videos to another three that are highly customized to what that person cares about. And then maybe there's some more traditional approaches. Maybe you can pick up the phone still to maybe some lower level folks um, to complete the six to 10. So it's knowing exactly what actions to take based on all of the data that's out there about people, relationships, and then and content, what they care about. So how do you start to build that muscle in an organization, right? Because I think, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in marketing and I think we do a decent job giving people posts and content and recommending things to do. You know, we've experimented with some video blitzes. I've got the BDRs too. So we've done some of the personalized mm -hmm. videos and, and we talk about it a lot. I don't know if it's like, systemically built into just how we do things and that's a big difference right. it really is so when we when we launch any of our programs before we do any teaching we're actually aligning functions internally to facilitate the program so we spend time with executives so they understand what their role is in these programs both internally to sponsor programs but also externally in the market being the face of the business 
So you might have a, an executive leadership team of five or six people. They not all, they don't all want to be that face, right? So there's one or two people who will be. Then there's working with the, the folks in marketing, like yourselves, um, who are producing amazing content, but it's teaching sellers what content to send to whom, at what stage in the sales process, depending on the role that that person has. So there's some complexity to it in teaching sellers how to do that. Then it's sales leadership, right? Getting sales leaders aligned to um, all of this too, because if they feel out of the loop and they feel as though um, they don't know what they should be coaching their people against, right? They don't support it. So they need playbooks, they need separate tracks to learn how to do this. Sales enablement, what's their role in this? Sales ops, how are we gonna measure it? So there's, there's all of these different parts of the business that have to be aligned before we even get to teaching the actual sales training itself. Well, I like how you describe table stakes. I think most people make sure people have a good picture on their mm-hmm. profile. And, you know, that's, come yeah. on, we all know that, right? Yeah. How do we start to advance the ball? Is it is it building it into cadences? Is it marketing, creating content for social Mm-hmm. to the buying stage? Like, what are three things I can do as a CMO to jumpstart my team? Do you know the number of times that I've gone into companies where those are table stakes and then we do a re- an audit of their presence on LinkedIn as a channel? And it's, it's a disaster. awful, right? So, so that, yes, it's table stakes, but we would take a step back and say, okay, well, what? how, how do you want your people to... Um, pitch the business, right? What is the elevator pitch that you want on everyone's profile? What's that deeper dive pitch that everyone should have so everyone's aligned behind it? What are the assets that you want to be presenting front and center on um, as rich media? Um, those are the kind of things. So there's a, there's a level of consistency across your, your go-to-market organization. And again, when we do those initial audits, you look at something as simple as a profile and it's all over the place. So we know, right, consistency of uh, content across the organization and, and go to market is critical. So one is definitely the brand. It's the, the messaging. It's how we talk about the business. The second one is as a CMO, it's getting the, the whole um, of your, your peers open to the fact that your salespeople might need to leverage them and their networks and their relationships to get walked in the doors to decision makers. And then the final piece is content, right? So um, knowing what they should set, share at different um, on, on different channels, so one to many now, right? LinkedIn is a great channel, but if your buyers are massively active on Twitter, maybe you should look over there as well. Something I want to dig into a little is uh, execs being open to using their network. Is that for like ghost notes? Um, not so much for ghost notes. So if um, if executives are trained in the right way, because just because execu- an executive is an executive, it doesn't mean they know how to use LinkedIn. So we teach executives how to do it so they can build their networks out with their peers across the market that they're in so your sellers can then leverage them so that's what we're talking about now if they don't have that first level of uh, of coaching from us and then an sdr reaches out to the cfo and says hey bob could you introduce me to tony over whatever company um bob might be like uh what (laughs) so so there's teaching that um that level of um of understanding of what the role is and for smaller companies it's much easier to do right because you generally know each other the old programs out like this at companies like um, an SAP, for example, those kind of um, actions that we take at the start of the profile to educate everyone around the sales organization are the things that move the needle. Gotcha. 
Gotcha. So what can what can execs do to build their network or should they be doing if they want to be a conduit? Totally. So um, I'll leave the name out of it, but a very senior player at SAP. Um, we went through his profile. We went through his content strategy. So what? how do you want to be perceived by your market? Um, what are the things that you are professionally passionate about? So when someone thinks of you, what are those topics or themes that they will think of? And then who's going to do your content for you because he wasn't going to. So who's going to actually schedule your content um, every week? And then what we did, which was really interesting, was we took the top 100 customers for this organization, had the salespeople provide the names of the individuals at those 100 companies that had made the investment, okay, uh, within this, the buying process, but then also the day-to-day -day contacts. And then the admin of this executive connected with essentially a 1,000 people on behalf of that executive. So now whenever that executive shares content out on LinkedIn, guess what happens, right? These are the biggest advocates for this, 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 this SAP organization. So you can imagine a huge amount of traction, lots of education and leads start now coming to this executive that are pushed into the sales organization to follow up on, which is Nirvana. I love that, I love that. What would you tell someone like me who maybe isn't as comfortable and probably not gonna be posting that much to kind of get us going. Yeah, I think you do a great job, by the way. Um, however, um, I, so I think it comes back to what are you actually trying to achieve by doing this, and and what's it, you know what is your overarching goal? And if you understand how that translates from the platform to what you do day to day, that's the start. And then it's tactical things. So so we teach a very simple blended content strategy, and we talk about a 50, 25, 25 okay. rule. So 50% of whatever you share on any social channel, if you're doing it to build a brand and to build a brand around, around your business, should be about what the organization does. So anything in your world that Sixth Sense produces, any sort of collateral material, 50%. 25% should be about the industry that you're solving for. So all of your target buyers. Now, this is... Um, third-party, reputable sources um, that are going to make your network more productive and successful. And then the final 25% is what are you professionally passionate about? So I do a lot of work with elevating women in business, helping military veter veterans um, transition out of the military into civilian life, and a lot on compassionate leadership. So that's my final 25%. So that's your blended content strategy. So we help people think through uh, what do you want to be known for? And then tactically, you've got to show up and you've got to be present. So we actually teach, which might sound a lot to your listeners, two pieces of content every single day. Whoa. So two pieces of content every single Whoa. day. But when you take that, but when you take that blended approach, think about what's happening, right? So you're showing up with really thoughtful content, nothing to do with Sixth Sense. 50% of what you're putting out there is to make your network more productive. Right. So third party stuff that's nothing to do with what you're selling is going to help them. And then 25 percent about what you're passionate about, compassionate leadership, elevating women. So there's, there's so much goodness that then goes out and people start following you and start, which is the goal. Right. And start caring about you. I, I didn't share content for two days. One time, but three people reached out to me to check if I was OK. Two times. And now would you recommend what about my sales team? Do they need to be posting two yep. times a day as well? Sellers too, absolutely. So again, if they are connecting every single day with every single person that they are speaking with, prospecting to, having conversations with, meeting when we get back to that, then they, they should be connected with all those folks on LinkedIn. So you've got to then educate those people that are now in your network 
on what it is that Sixth Sense does. And down the road, right, maybe they're not ready to buy now, but they sure as heck might be in six months. You've got six months to educate them and inform and, and, and guide their decision about who they should go with. You don't show up in their feed, then they're not going to think of you. They're going to think of someone else. How do you see people? Is it like going to the gym where you put it on there and you calendar it or you don't go kind of a thing? You know what I do? On a Sunday night, about about 8 o'clock after the kids have gone to bed, I schedule all my content for the week. Everything is scheduled in one of the numerous scheduling tools that are out there in the market. And I'm not going to mention any names. There's some great ones, right? Oh, and right. Oh, give us some, what are some good ones? Oh, I'll give you some good ones. So um, so I use Buffer every day. Um, my head of marketing uses Hootsuite. There's Grapevine 6. Unfortunately, LinkedIn Elevate's going away. Uh, Octopost is a good one. I mean, there's some fantastic platforms out there. Um, but I schedule everything on a Sunday night. So I know I'm set for the week. And what's interesting is everyone's like, it's not so much the scheduling. It's like, well, where do you get your content from? Well, if you think about it, most of us consume or just read something that's interesting once or twice a day, right? That's just what we do. So you just bookmark it or throw it in a Word document or something like that. I'm feeling <laughs> like I need to read more. Love it. I said most of us. Um, but but, but even to get started on a serious note, if this is like, if people are listening to this and going, there's no way that I'm going to do that, do one a, do one a day. Um, it's so funny, though, when I, when I look at um, people that we've trained um, on this session, right, and when we're talking about content, and we go back three, four weeks later, and we kind of do a bit of a review of what's going on, and someone will say, I shared a piece of content, no one liked it, and I haven't had any profile views, and I'm like, well, what have you done since? Oh, nothing. Oh, well, are you surprised, you know? So um, it, it's, it's giving them a framework. And then these whoever we're training, they're going to run with whatever they're most comfortable with. But if you're really trying to get ROI out of the process, then do it on, on, on an evening, schedule it for the week, and then don't worry about it. I love it. I love it. Um, so... There's a, there's a lot to stay on top. I'm, gl I'm glad you dropped some tech on us. I've been hearing a lot about video and LinkedIn Live and LinkedIn Video. What's good and what's fool's gold? Love it. So um, video very much, but for one-to-one -one prospect. As a salesperson, for one-to-one -one prospecting. So recording really thoughtful messages. So don't be running and being like, hey, look at me. I'm jogging. That's not no, <laughs> no. I mean, hey, if you want your brand to be that that thought leader jogger person, then <laughs> then sure. Uh, but you know, it's, on, a, on a, a bit a serious note, though, I worry sometimes that people will jump on video, put it out to the masses, do a really bad job, and it just reflects so badly on their brand. And like you know, we know the social the ripple effects and the uh, and the reach and all that goodness can be for bad stuff too, you know? So I strongly recommend for sellers listening, we, we keep video for one-to-one. -one. We don't all need to be thought leaders like that if we want to do our, our numbers, but we can share great content that others have produced, right? To still put goodness out onto the network, um, but be careful with video for one-to-many. And um, I think LinkedIn Live, same sort of concept, right? I think there's there's executives, there's leaders at the business that should leverage that absolutely. But I don't think sellers need to be going down that that route. We just launched a awesome LinkedIn integration. We're stoked about. It's paid. Um, what's the right mix? When when does paid work better than organic? Like like just give me the lay of the land there. 
I'll keep it super, super high level. I, you've got to do both, right? And I think sellers have to be totally aligned to what your marketing organization is doing, where they're spending their money, what the goal of that is, which accounts we're hitting up. Like all of those have to be completely aligned to sellers because sellers can then bring that human element to those accounts and those buying personas and, and do it, time it at the, exactly the right time for when that material is landing. And then the the people that were were both hitting up, essentially receiving, you know, a joined up message. So it has to be both. And um, and I think companies rely on one or the other, and it has to be a combination of both. Okay, perfect. And just as long as it's coordinated, it's a good absolutely, system. yeah. All right. So last um, last tip, you you were going to drop your favorite kind of new technique. My favorite new technique. So you know what I really like right now is when you first connect with someone on LinkedIn. And most people, and this could be your economic buyer, right? The person got all the money. Most, and, and that person is accepted. Most people will just send a little follow-up message and type something out. And with with social, with digital, with selling, you just have to be different. So what we've started doing is teaching sellers how to then, as that first touch point after that person accepting the connection request, to record a short 30-second video thanking the individual for accepting the connection request, explaining who you are and the value you bring and doing it in a really human way. And that being so different in that first touch point, we're seeing huge, huge, huge turnaround on, on responses from those people who make the decisions and saying, actually, yeah, we will, we will have a conversation versus what so many of us are getting now, which is a typed out pitch right, of what ultimately that person wants to try and sell us. And it's just like, stop. Let's just stop with that. It's not working. Yeah, I get a lot of, I think we would benefit from each other being in the same network. And I'm like, okay. Oh, really? <laughs> Based on what? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now we're going to transition to um, a kind of a fun segment called Talking Nonsense. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're going to do is we're going to spend a minute on each topic, see how many we can get through, and just kind of riff. Love it. So, um, empire state of mind. So, Mm -hmm. you can sing it or rap it. (laughs) (laughs) Or or you can do what we did, which was come out at our wedding, my wife and I on the wedding party, to this song. So at the Yale Club, Club New York City, um, nearly 10, 10 years ago, that's the song we came out to. Well, I love New York. It's one of my favorite cities in the world. And you obviously yeah. love it too. You named your company after it. So I what, did. what do you love about New York? The energy, right? If you can achieve it here, you can achieve it anywhere. That's what they say, right? So, um, so I'm a big, big believer that, that this is, there's so much like energy and like entrepreneurs like myself, people support us. Um, they want to see us successful. There's something about the city that, that brings up the energy. Well, you connect into that energy. You radiate energy. So thank you for that. Um, personal brand building. <laughs> uh-huh. Critical. Um, can be done really well. Could be someone on video walking down the street um, talking about topics. Don't do that. Um, what are some other jobs? Yeah, yeah. Um, but be genuine, right? Be the same person 
off social as you are on social. Like that, that is the best way of doing it and be a good human being, put a lot of goodness out into the world. It will come back 10x. All right. Love it. Um, how is social selling like rugby? <laughs> how is social selling like rugby? Um, you got to train hard. You've got to build muscle memory. This technique. So um, imagine a 225-pound person running at you. You tackle that person incorrectly, you're going to get hurt. So you've got to have technique. Um, rugby, we don't wear pads, right? So in that same scenario, make that tackle wrong. Like it's gonna go, it's gonna go badly wrong. In social, there's no pads, right? So you put the wrong stuff out at the wrong time. Talk about topics that you shouldn't talk about. Then be careful. Be careful. All right. Um, best sales kickoff ever. I know you train at a lot of sales kickoffs. Yeah, the first one that I ever did as a business was a company called Sovos, which actually is this one. And, um, and it was the best one because it was the first one that I ever did as a business and I proved the model to myself and to the organization. It gave me the confidence to run with this 100%. So that was the best one for me. But every single one we do has been, has been great fun. Other than you, mm -hmm. who are some social selling badasses? Social selling badasses. There's some really bad social selling ninjas. Um, I think the, the, there's a gentleman who works for me right now who I actually rate way higher than me as a social selling guru, right? It's a guy called Jordan Shabika at Empire Selling, and his SSI score, social selling score, is now higher than mine. And it's not just what you do on LinkedIn. It's also what you do off LinkedIn in terms of other channels and what you take from a platform like LinkedIn and use elsewhere with video and email and other things. Check out Jordan Shabika at Empire. He is just next level. What's an, I don't even know what an SSI is. Oh, social selling index. So LinkedIn's got its own index on how good we are at social selling. And um, if you've got a score north of 80, it means you're doing really well. It's a score out of 100. His score literally just got ahead of mine. Um, and I've been doing this for 10 years. He's been doing it for six years and he just beat me. So that's great. What's your score? What's my score? My score is 86. His is 87. Oh, man. Man, mine's mm -hmm. probably like five. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you after this. I'll tell you where to get it. Point five. <laughs> love it. So last segment here, I want to talk about, so I love entrepreneurs. I married an entrepreneur, so that's how much I love them. Take us through this, the empire selling journey. Yeah, totally. Thank you for asking. So I, I love sharing this story. So when I was at LinkedIn, um, I was leading one of the business areas for sales solutions, which is sales navigator. And when we were chatting to companies who were interested in buying the product, Sales Navigator, we didn't have a services business, right? There's no training that comes with it. And even today, there's some, but not enough to get sellers really being effective. So back in 2012, I realized there was an opportunity to build a, a prescriptive methodology out for LinkedIn. I spent two and a half years there, then went to Sprinkler, which is probably pretty well known for anyone in marketing that's listening, the social media management tech. And I went there to learn more about other social tap channels and digital. And I went there for a year to learn about that so I could then go run Empire Selling. Stay there for three years. It was an incredible company, learned so much. And as, as long as I'm learning, I'm happy. But I kept building this curriculum, testing stuff with workshops and evening classes. 
And then 2017, I was, uh, um, I basically asked my wife if, in the summer if it was okay if I quit my divisional vice president job at one of the fastest growing software companies in the world and went solo to launch a business. And amazingly, because she's an amazing woman, she was like, you're going to be amazing at it. You're passionate about it. You know what you want to do. Just go at it. So yeah, we've been at it for two and a half years. We've trained in two and a half years. I think it's now, yeah, it's above 10,000 people around the world at about 50 different companies in 65 or 70 countries, um, this, this approach that we have. And it's all been done through leveraging relationships. We literally haven't done any marketing. So we're going to start marketing the business and the brand. But yeah, it's been just an incredible, incredible journey. I assume that Talking Sense uh, viewers and listeners can reach out to you on LinkedIn. Uh, absolutely not. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. One hundred percent. And and even if it's I mean, it might not be to do business or anything. We're just like I would love to have you in my network so we can share, collaborate. You know, you can see my content, I can see yours, whatever works. Dan Swift, everyone, CEO and founder of Empire Selling, for coming on the show. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me.